There was enough promotion and relegation drama in Austria to last us all the way through the summer break. But what on earth is the matter over in Burgenland? Welcome back to the other Bundesliga podcast. My name is Tom Midler and I'm here once again with Simon Clark and Lee Wingate to talk all things Austrian football in English. It's been a bit of a while since our previous episodes. The season finished. We did our Salzburg specials after they romped to the title yet again. But we thought we'd wait until things died down to bring you a bit of a season review. But guess what? Things have not died down at all. And that is why we find ourselves back here in the Long Hall Pub and Kitchen in Vienna, our favourite place to watch football, our favourite place to come and drink and eat the excellent food. We're in front of some uh, some nice copper barrels full of beer, so we couldn't be in a much better place. Plenty of games coming up this week as well. There's uh, a lot of European action, isn't there, Lee? Yep, starting with the Austrian team, uh, which is Lask versus Manchester United. That's tomorrow. And then in the coming weeks, there'll be the, the final rounds of the Europa League and Champions League, and all the games will be on here. So guess where we'll be? Yeah, that's right. We will, of course, be at the long haul. We've seen on Twitter that some people are crazy enough to start travelling again around Europe for football. If you're out here in this part of the world to, uh, to watch some games, well, if you're in Vienna, the long haul is the place to come. Plenty of action to see. As you alluded to, Manchester United versus Lask. The season hasn't even finished yet for Austrian football. No wonder we haven't done a season review yet. So uh, more on that one later. But there's been an incredible amount of stuff going on since the season finished. Why don't we start with the second division? We don't talk too much about the second division on the other Bundesliga podcast. But, of course, at the end of the season, that was the ticket to join us here on the other Bundesliga. In the end, that's gone to SV Reed, a popular choice. They're a very well-supported club. But uh, it wasn't without its controversy, was it? What an extraordinary end that we had to the season, to an incredibly topsy-turvy title race in the second division. Yeah, people say that, that the English Championship had, had a crazy finish, but this was as crazy because you had two teams, uh, as you said, Reed and Austria Klagenfurt. And uh, going into the final game of the season, there was only one goal separating them. So you think, you know, maybe they'll you know, try and score as many goals as possible. Let, let's see what happens. But I don't think anyone expected Reed to be 5-0 up after 20 minutes against their, their very hapless opponents, Floridsdorfer, who are a team from a, a suburb here, here in Vienna. That's like what happened in that Germany-Brazil semi-final. That's the only other game I can think of where it was 5-0 after such a short space of time. Floridsdorfer completely capitulated. Reed were pretty happy by that because it meant at half-time, I believe it was 2-1 Klagenfurt at half-time, and um, Reed were 5-0 up. Yeah, second half, I mean, it ended up Reed scoring many more goals and ended up winning 9-0, which is just an astonishing result. And when you take into consideration that Klagenfurt, who are playing uh, Wacker Innsbruck, won 6-1, you'd think maybe that a 6-1 win on the final day with your, your opponent having <laughs> a one-goal advantage would be, uh, you'd be pretty happy by that. But no, they saw the, the, the score and there was... Um, some, some very angry faces down at the Vertices Stadion, but it means that Reed are promoted. Reed are, uh, uh, in recent years, have flirted with, with Europe in the Bundesliga. They were second as recently as 2015, I believe. They got relegated in 2017, and they're finally in the Bundesliga when it looked like they'd thrown it all away. But it's, it's a good addition to the, to the league, but you have to feel sorry for Klagenfurt in this situation, which, which has made international headlines. 
Yeah, they're even reporting about this final day in Liga 2 in Marca, the Spanish newspaper. So it, I think it, it's quite saying something that, that this news story has really made it all over Europe. It's been a really interesting title race to watch because over the past few weeks, it's just seemed like neither team's wanted it. Just when you think one team is in pole position to sort of move away from their rivals, they've just gone and collapsed, really. Yeah, I think at one point early after the Corona break, Reed had an 11-point advantage over Klagenfurt. And then closer to the end of the season, Klagenfurt had overturned that and they were absolutely in pole position. And if it wasn't for a defeat on the second to last day, they would have uh, maintained that pole position and, and gone and claimed the place in the Bundesliga. So it was a quite extraordinary final, uh, final few months in the second division here. Yeah, and I think Reed were really banking on getting promoted this year. I think financially they'd put a lot into this campaign and I think it was a bit of a now or never situation. So in that respect, it's nice to see them back. And I think all of us are looking forward to our, our first trip to the Yosko Arena to, to see them play. Yep, you mentioned the financial side of Reed's push. You know, they've made no secret of this this season that they've, they've banked on getting promoted. But it's kind of a similar story for Austria, Austria Klagenfurt as well. You know, both of those teams had spent a lot more than anybody else in the second division. It's a, it's a big league, a tight league normally, and you had two teams miles out ahead on their own this year. And so almost fitting in the end that they ended on level points. But um, it hasn't really cast Austrian football in a great light. The league are a bit embarrassed about this themselves. You know, this final day, one goal, 9-0, deciding the league title. And they've actually taken the step of changing the way that the second division works now. And next season, there will be no chance, as if there was going to be a repeat of this anyway. I mean, it's an absolutely insane finish to a league, league title and a league season. But they've made sure that that can't happen again from next year. So it will go on head-to-head instead of uh, goal difference as of next year. So that's sort of a sign that something big happened. And uh, a, a sad irony for Austria Klagenfurt is that if it had gone on head-to-head this year, they would have been the team who were promoted. So pretty uh, rough, rough news for the team down in Klagenfurt. In the end, Reed taking the promotion place. More than a hint of uh, controversy still following that one, though, with Austria Klagenfurt trying their best to take this case to, to all the kind of tribunals that they can do and look into the overall fairness of it. You can't deny that a team who have banked a lot on getting promoted, who need a big win on the final day, who find themselves up 9-0 against a team who've sent most of their best players already on holiday before the end of the season... That is a very interesting and very unusual scenario. <laughs> and and league, the second division here is, is famous for drama, but, um, but it certainly provided it. Yeah, and also just about Florisdorf at say they had to release a statement on the morning after the game, basically saying that there wasn't any foul play and they're very ashamed about the performance. Never good when you have to release that kind of statement, is it? But extraordinarily, that's almost not the biggest story we've had in Austrian football because up in the Bundesliga, Mattersburg, who just about confirmed their own survival just a few weeks ago from the Bundesliga, well, that survival doesn't look so sure anymore because there's been a huge scandal over here in the banking world. One of the, uh, the banks here in Austria, the Commerzialbank, Burgenland has been embroiled in a financial scandal. They've been accused of fiddling their figures for decades now. More and more is being uncovered day after day. We don't have time to, to talk about all of that because it's, it's such a big story and it's going to be ongoing probably in a legal case for many, many years. But the problem for SV Mattersburg in the Bundesliga is that the president of Mattersburg, the club, is also the boss of that bank. And he's, of course, the person implicated in most of the legal wrongdoings um, that are alleged against the Commerzialbank Burgenland. So he's obviously stepped back immediately from Mattersburg. Pretty much all the sponsors who were involved in Mattersburg, the football club, 
have withdrawn because they were only involved due to their involvement with the bank. That's also funding for the, uh, the academy in Burgenland as well, which is run by Mattersburg. All of this was tied into this Commercial Bank, which is a sign of how dangerously football is, is being run all over the world, really. But unfortunately, the, uh, the perils of the Commercial Bank uh, Burgenland have uh, reflected immediately onto Mattersburg, and they're in their kind of really important week right now of, of deciding what they can do as a football club. So all their, their top people have left basically, and there's been some, uh, some rumours of new investors coming in to take over the club, but all their cash, all the injection of cash into Mattersburg has now disappeared overnight, and it looks almost unthinkable that they'll be able to continue as a Bundesliga club, if not as a club at all, into next season. But that in itself has thrown the league into chaos as well. Of course, they stayed up. Um, now they're probably they're looking likely, if we look at recent examples, uh, GRK, and uh, Grodig as well. Those teams were forced to restart as new clubs in the, in the lowest regional league. And I would say that's probably the most likely option ahead of Mattersburg this week. What do you think? Yeah, but I think that's exactly what will happen. I mean, it's kind of a, a sad irony, really, because when Martin Puka took over Mattersburg, that they were in the lowest regional league, and he's taken them up single-handedly through all the leagues. They were promoted in 2004. Mattersburg is a tiny place only about 6,000 inhabitants, and they have a, a football stadium that holds 17,000 people. In, in the mid-2000s, they were getting crowds above 10,000. They were incredibly popular. They reached European competition. They finished third in 2007. You know, this is a team who've been uh, an, an integral part of the Bundesliga for the last 15 years. And um, it's kind of sad to see that it all fall apart in this awful situation. How much of you is sad for the fans and the club and how much of you is sad that you also won't be going to the, probably to the, the Papelstadion next year and seeing that two minutes past the hour train go across the aqueduct above the main stand? Lee, it's one of the great sights in football. I'm going to miss it, but I like to think I will go back because it, it, it is a fine stadium. It is really it's one of my favourite stadiums in Austria. So. Yeah, I, I will miss going to the, the Papelstadion or the, the Ernst Papel as we've, we've come to know it. I would just like to say that I think it is really dangerous in football when you have the fate of your club so closely intertwined with the fate of any one bank, you'd feel, or, or any one company. You know, if they were quite kind of backed by several different outlets, then maybe it would, it would be a bit better. But when you're so dependent on one body for your financial backing, I think it's a, it's a very dangerous place you put yourself in. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's a lot bigger teams around in European football who are run in similar ways, you know, by, by relying on one financial provider. So, yeah, a big lesson as to the risks. But it's a nasty tale and it involves, you know, inflated sponsorship deals with the academy, inflated sponsorship deals with Mattersburg, the club. You know, they didn't really receive all the money from their sponsorship. It was sort of looks like or alleged anyway that all this stuff was, was done in the, in the context of fiddling figures for the bank. And there's going to be a lot of consequences for this. You know, this is a huge story in, in European politics and, and European banking, not just in sports. It's just Mattersburg, the football club, are sort of going to be the ones who pay the price, their fans. But it puts VSK Tirol in an absolute mess as well because VSK Tirol were relegated. And it just so happens that VSK Tirol have a whole host of player contracts that were depending specifically on whether they got relegated or not. So literally, the, the contracts of, of a good number of their players, I think we're talking double figures here, their contracts were dissolved with relegation and would have remained valid if they had stayed in the Bundesliga. So now, with Mattersburg 
their fate is still unclear. We should point that out. We're talking as if they've been relegated and they will restart as a, as a new amateur club in, in the, the lowest division. That might well be the case, but it's not decided yet and it hasn't happened yet. Um, there were all sorts of things that came into play. You know, there was also this corona regulations that said that if any cl- club goes into administration this season, they won't have to, to face like compulsory relegation to help out with corona. This Mattersburg situation is a bit different because it's just so much more serious at the end of the day. But, but for VSK Tyrol, they're now left trying to work out which league to plan for because if they play in the second division, it's going to be very different for them playing in the first division. It looks certainly as if VSK will stay up, so they've been granted a reprieve from their relegation. Klagenfurt, despite their incredible season in league uh, in the second division, they will not be taking the place in the Bundesliga. Only one team can go up. Obviously, it's a move if Mattersburg get compulsory relegation it will uh, have consequences right throughout the divisions we might well see Rapids amateur team the SK Rapids 2 team moving up into the second division as well and then potentially other teams like first Vienna being promoted up into the third division to fill all these sort of empty spots that are left as a consequence so a complete mess here and a very sad state of affairs for for a club that we like SV Mattersburg yeah an unfortunate way to see uh, to see them in this position at the moment and just another situation with all the, all this uh, situations for all the leagues. The Austrian Bundesliga begins on the 12th of September, so that's only five weeks away. And going down to the lower divisions, the, 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 the Wiener uh, Liga, which the first Vienna would be in, starts in two weeks. So you have and you have leagues in, in Vorarlberg, which which started last weekend. So you have this situation where, you know, you have these leagues all beginning, but you don't know the situation of who's going to play in them. So it's a big mess. And this is on top of all the, the coronavirus mess as well. And just an incredible uh, time for the authorities here in Austria. See what we mean? I told you that there was a hell of a lot of stuff going on in, in Austrian football in the off season. You know, this is supposed to be the quiet time where we take a rest between the end of one season and the start of another. That is not how it's working out. Anyway, uh, while we're here, why don't we talk about some of the transfers? Because there's already been a lot of transfer uh, activity concluded, both incoming, outgoing, uh, more, more outgoing, unfortunately, than incoming. Um, and some coaches moving around as well, some coaches staying I suppose the biggest one for me is Stefan Schwab, the captain of Rapid Vienna. They've just finished as runners-up. He's been a stalwart for them this season, a a really uh, high-performing player in the midfield, a really important part of the the club. And unfortunately, it's essentially the case that his contract was running out and because of Corona, Rapid simply don't have enough money in the bank to offer him a contract that's worth staying. So he's gone. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously... It's a massive loss for Rapid because he, he means so much in the dressing room as, as well as on the pitch. He's been a great servant for them for six seasons. Um, but I can kind of understand it. I feel like, you know, the ceiling in Austria, if you're not Salzburg, is pretty clear. You're aiming for second place. And Rapid haven't had the kind of investment over the past few years that will, will, that will help them challenge for, for trophies and, and win that. I think end their trophy drought, which now dates back to 2008, which is a long time for the record champions. So in, in that sense, a move is logical. The choice of club to join, though, I find a bit bizarre. To go to Pauk in Greece, they won the league a few years ago and you know they have been, been challenging and been right up there, but it seems like a strange move. I feel like he might have been better suited to going somewhere like England. Several clubs were linked, or Italy as well. The fact he's gone to Greece, you know, we wish him all the very best, but I find it perhaps a strange choice. Pauk's the club that has the chairman who went onto the field with a gun a couple of seasons ago. Am I correct? Yes, you are. 
does that mean he's a bit of a character who's got loads of money and the players at Pauk get really big wages? Yeah, I was reading in the news, apparently Svav's contract is going to be about €450,000, which is probably a hefty increase from his wage at Rapid. But yeah, for me, it's, it's sad that he's leaving. He was one of my favourite players in the league. I mean, the amount of times we've seen him uh, win games on his own sometimes for Rapid. He's just a true captain uh, in, 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 in the truest sense. And um, also one of our, uh, the first interviews we ever had on the podcast as well. And during the lockdown as well, we interviewed Schwab and he's always been a friend of the pod. So it's sad for him to leave in that sense because, yeah, I really liked him as a person as well as a player. So, Yeah, I think from all of us here at the other Bundesliga, we will miss Stefan Schwab in the Austrian Bundesliga. He's been really, really great with us. Um, but we wish him the best of luck. Over at Pauk, we'll, uh, well, I'll certainly keep an eye out for Pauk next season, see how he's going over there in the black and white stripes. What about other departures? Uh, talking about black and white stripes, we've got a couple of teams here in Austria who feature in black and white. What about Lask? Because they suffered the blow of a few, a few big outgoing players and a few loan deals coming to the end, um, but they've had a few incoming players as well. Yes, yeah, so in terms of outgoing, two players have returned to their parent clubs and they are Jao Klaus and Samuel Tete, two of their four strikers eligible to play against Man United in the Europa League, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, so that's a bit of a blow. But they have brought in a few players. They've brought in the uh, the promising Ukrainian central defender Yevgen Chaberko from Zoria Luhansk, um, Mamadou Karamoko from the VFL Wolfsburg Reserve. So their, their former boss, Oliver Glasner, doing them a bit of a favour there. And the Danish midfielder Mads, Emil Madsen from Silkeborg. So there's a few young players and that's kind of an, an, an entirely new spine for their team. There's a new central defender, central midfielder and, and centre forward. So yeah, that's, that's some promising signings. Yeah, I'm quite excited about a few of those. I think uh, Yevren Cheberko is the under-21 captain of Ukraine. And that's always a good sign, isn't it? You know, when you're the captain of your sort of youth level or younger level national teams, that pretty much means your, your character is quite solid, you'd expect anyway. Um, Karamoko, I saw play for, for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga this season, and I thought he did a good job, so that's quite exciting. He's been linked with Lask for a long time, and that, that's come to pass. And Mads Emil Madsen, I've not seen him play, I have to confess. I haven't watched Silkeborg at all, but I've heard people who are, are quite excited about him, so I'm willing to get on board as well. And a little uh, sort of under-the-radar transfer that I like is Lucas Gergic coming across from VSK Tirol because he's an absolute uh, hard man in the midfield. I reckon he could sort of shore up that last side who were a bit vulnerable in the latter stages of last season. Yeah, and while we're on the, the topic of transfers, since we last did a pod that covered Lask, there has been a change of manager as well, quite surprisingly. So on the 10th of July, we started to get reports coming out from reliable sources as well that um, Lask was set to part company with Valerian Ishmael, which is, uh, you know, came as a big surprise to us given how promising his season had been and how well he'd been doing. Um, then the next day, those reports were confirmed, and since then... Lask have appointed Dominic Talhammer, who for the past nine years has been the, the very successful coach of the Austrian women's national team. But yeah, I think that was a bit of a, an unexpected departure and for reasons that we really didn't forecast as well, or at least I didn't. I thought that that could have been, initially could have been down to the, all the scandal with the corona training and the violation of the training protocols. But it turns out that there was, there was quite a lot of unhappiness in the camp and that some of the senior players and the... Uh, members of the coaching staff were unhappy with his methods and you know once results started to go downhill I think that became a bit bit harder to gloss over so yeah 
a change of manager and what a baptism of fire he's got coming up at Old Trafford. Yeah, really interesting uh, to, to have Dominic Tahama coming in at last there. And as you said, we didn't see Ismail leaving. An unfortunate way to go after a good season in many ways. Amongst all this craziness, they've also announced how their brand new stadium will look, which is going to be called the Rafaisan Arena. If that sounds familiar, it's the name of their current stadium as well. I think we can all agree that it's a very impressive arena. It's going to be a UEFA Category 4 stadium, 20,000 seats. It's going to be on the site of the, of the current uh, Linter Stadion. It's really going to put Lask uh, as a true uh, title challenger in Austria going forward once this stadium is completed in the summer of 2022. So everything's happening at Lask in the last few weeks. Looking forward to that. Crazy times ahead for Lask. Um, looking around the rest of the league, we've got Sturm Graz, Kirill Despadov, their, their best player from last season. I'll go out on a limb and I'll say it. Everyone will probably agree with me. Despadov, he's gone back. Uh, he was a lone player from this uh, Serie A side, Genoa. So he's gone back there. Sandro Inglich, though, has been brought in from St. Poulton on a free transfer. That seems like a good bit of business for Christian Ilzer, the new manager who left Austria-Vienna after their rough season. He went straight in at Sturm. There were some other veterans who departed the Bundesliga. Simon, your favourite North Korean? In terms of reasons to leave the Austrian Bundesliga, I think having uh, sanctions from the United Nations is quite an interesting one. Because, uh, yeah, St. Paulton player Pak Kwang Ryong, who um, we've talked about on many, many occasions, he's had to leave Austria because of UN sanctions, uh, uh, meaning that the North Koreans in the EU can't, can't earn a salary anymore. So he's had to leave, leave Europe. So it's a sad situation for Pak, really. And on a slightly less serious note, the player with your favourite haircut in the Bundesliga is left too. Yeah, uh, Christian Gebauer's gone to brand new uh, Bundesliga side Armenia Bielefeld. Great hair. It's going to be missed <laughs> immensely. But it's, it's a good move for him. I mean, Armenia Bielefeld have newly promoted, so he'll get to play against some of the biggest clubs in Germany. So, Who wins the award for your favourite hair now? Oh, my God. Um, I, maybe for, for my admirer, he has decent, decent hair. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'll have to, the new season, I'll have to check and find a new favourite. As the Long Hall's uh, <laughs> resident dog, Taco, has joined us. Hey, Taco. How's it going, bud? <laughs> Podcast interrupted by Taco the dog here, who's now sitting on my shoes. A major reason to come to the Long Hall, by the way. He's an adorable dog. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely agree with that. Um, what else have we not talked about yet? Sydney Sam has left uh, from Altac. That's a bit of a shame. He had a great impact, the veteran German striker coming in. Brilliant impact at Altac. Sad to see him leave. On the trainer front, we've had more craziness. Peter Stöger has come in as Austria-Vienna trainer on the, the English model, as they call it, in uh, inverted commas, because he's going to be the sports direct, sporting director, as he already was. And he's now taken over in the dugout, basically because Austria-Vienna can't afford to hire anyone else who's going to be better than him, which is a fair enough reason. But really, you can see that the struggles are real for the clubs in Austria right now. And also for Austria-Vienna fans, Peter Stoger is a club legend. He won three league titles as a player. He won three Austrian Cups as a player. He's managed them three times. He's won the League and Cup as a manager as well at the club. And his last coaching job was Borussia Dortmund. So, I mean, he has the pedigree. I think for Austria-Vienna fans, he is an incredibly popular appointment as manager. I mean, he was the last coach to win the Bundesliga without being at Red Bull Salzburg, wasn't he? Precisely, yeah. Yeah, he won the Austrian Bundesliga in 2013 and then moved to Cologne in the Bundesliga and then onwards to Dortmund. So, yeah, uh, Peter Stoger is a, legend, is a legend at the Generali Arena. So, a great move for him. 
Talking about winning loads of titles, let's move to Salzburg. What have they been up to? Because I think they've got some players who, uh, who people are quite excited about, haven't they? Yeah, they've brought in quite a few youth players, um, which is no surprise for Salzburg. That's usually where they're active in the market. Uh, Umar Sole, the uh, highly promising central defender from Olympique Lyon, has joined for 4.5 million, which I believe is one of the most expensive transfer fees ever paid by an Austrian club for a defender, if not the most. Um, and Lyon fans were pissed about that as well because they really wanted them the club to hold on to him. Yeah, it seems to be a trend with a lot of young French players at the moment leaving the academies or, or leaving before they really establish themselves in the first team set up. Either way, Sole is going to be integrated into the, the first team squad, you'd imagine, and probably with partner. I don't know, they've got Verba, Romalio and, and Anguane. There's quite, quite a good, quite a strong uh, selection of central defenders there now. And they've also brought in Samson Tijani. He's a Nigeria youth international from well, this uh, th- his former club sounds like to me like the name of a 1980s pop singer, Collins Edwin. That's that's the club he's joined from. What I like about this is that you could read that transfer both ways. You could say that Collins Edwin has joined from Samson Tijani, yeah. or you could say that Samson Tijani has joined from Collins Edwin. Which one is it? You could. He's cost one million. That's quite a lot for a, a youth player for 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 Salzburg to pay. But you'd imagine he would probably at his age. I think he's he's still a teenager. He would probably go. Uh, straight into the setup at Leafering to try and get some, some match practice. Yeah, elsewhere, uh, not too much news. A couple of Nigerian players coming in at Altac. That's got people excited. Uh, Nana Kofi Babil and Nosa Edokpolo. I've tried that the best I can. Those, uh, those are two players to watch out for in Altac next season. Admira, also down in the bottom half. They're down to just 12 players at the moment. Um, sort of trying to keep calm off the pitch, Admira. Just saying we're going to wait till the end of the transfer window, basically, and get players as their contracts run out and as they become a bit more desperate to look for a club. Admira have got no money to look for, else, uh, look for anyone elsewhere. Their top scorer, Sinan Bakish, has left for Heracles Almelo in Holland as well. I would say it's a blow for them, but he was pretty much frozen out at the end of last season anyway. So that, that was a sort of an interesting development. Um, and on better news, Tamas Shanto at Rapid Vienna is looking ready for a comeback after over two years on the treatment table. So definitely, uh, before Dominic Soboslai came along, he was the most exciting Hungarian player for a long time, and Tamás Szanto might finally actually have a chance to show what he can do once again. If he has a good last nine games of the season, he might win Player of the Year award as well. Ooh, throwing some shade on the <laughs> throwing some shade on the Austrian Bundesliga journalists team of the year. There were some surprising inclusions in that. Let's talk about that another time. Um, any word on the new kits that we've seen so far? What have, what's been released so far, and what are we what are we thinking about? I saw the Wolfsburg one today. Is there anything else? Yeah, the Wolfsburg one is hideous. Um, <laughs> Rebel Salzburg and System Graz have both both released kits. The Salzburg one annoys me because at the top it doesn't fit properly. Uh, Find a picture of it and you'll see what I mean. OCD people would be, uh, yeah, they'd be so annoyed at this. The, the there's like a, oh, it's like a lightning lightning bolt shaped stripe, but it's slightly off center at the top, and it's so annoying. But so saying that, Sturmgratz have three absolute beauties this season. Uh, their home kit is a sight to behold. It has like a, a black stripe across the middle, or four black stripes across the middle. And the away kit is even better, and the third kit is just as good. So it's a fair play to Stonegratz. It might be all changing there this season. <laughs> Definitely look out for those, those, those hot shirts. Um, I'll say in defense of Wolfsburg, their base kit design would be really nice if it didn't have so many sponsors. And that, that gives me hope for their European shirt, because they're back in Europa League group stage action. They produced a brilliant European shirt last season. They can do it again this season. We believe in them, and we love you, Wolfsburg. 
Simon's now laughing, showing me the picture of their away kit, which is black, with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 sponsors that I can read. 17, 18 sock sponsors as well. Okay, something in the region of 18 sponsors on the shirt. That's not a, a factual guarantee, but it is a 10 out of 10 on the Hartberg scale. Other than that, I was mentioning Wolfsburg playing in the Europa League, of course, as the legends they are qualifying for the Europa League. We're still in Europa League action for this very season. It is Manchester United versus Lask. It is nil five against Lask and Dominic Talham has taken over as the new coach. Lee, you're the man to tell us about this one, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, this almost feels like a bit of a pointless exercise because we know that whatever team Man United play or whatever team Lask play, this is not going to be turned around. So they're going there really as, as a formality. And they're going there as a formality 363 days after starting their European campaign against Basel in the Champions League qualifiers. That was on the 7th of August last year. Um, I don't think any of us are really expecting too much from this game. Obviously, the, the first leg did flatter Manchester United largely because although they were the much better team, there were those two goals in stoppage time right at the end, which, which made it into a rout really. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what you guys are expecting, but given their current situation and all the scandals and the change of manager and the loss of certain players, I would probably say that uh, yeah, an another heavy defeat would not surprise me. It's probably the worst possible timing for Lask, actually. It's unfortunate because they haven't just finished the season. They finished the season a few weeks ago, thought about, you know, can we take a bit of a summer holiday? What can we do? Then they have to restart their training camp and stuff for the next season. And this has come right at the beginning of the period literally in the week where the other teams are just starting to go back to training for the league so it's absolutely the worst possible case you know they're not still fresh from last year but they're not ready for next year yet either so you couldn't want to play a competitive game at a worse time this is they wouldn't even have arranged their first friendly yet to start getting ready so this is it's really unfortunate they actually had one random friendly last week against Senica of Slovakia and lost 2-0 in that so that doesn't bode <laughs> bode too well for this does it but yeah, just I think if you're if you're Lask, just treat this as a friendly. I mean, uh, to, to play at Old Trafford is a, is a privilege. It's one of the great stadiums in world football, and for an Austrian team to play there is pretty pretty cool. I played it on Pro Evo and it ended two one to Lask. So you know, if, if that's something to go by, let's see. Lask's first ever game in England couldn't be in weirder circumstances with a new coach and an empty Old Trafford. We wish them well for that this week. In any case, that will actually technically conclude conclude this Austrian Bundesliga season in all its in all its glory if they unless they turn it around of course which no European side has ever done a 5-0 deficit um, but if they don't that will be the end of Austrian football for this season so thanks very much for coming with us on the journey throughout the other Bundesliga podcast Simon's got his hand up he wants something else yeah it was the Austrian cup first round draw <laughs> on the, on Saturday uh, and weirdly this season so normally the the smaller teams will be at home but because of corona we don't know who will play at home and who will play away. The, the Bundesliga teams were drawn at home, but if, if the smaller team can host them, then they'd be played at the smaller team. So it's this situation where we don't know where any of the games are being played. Basically, all the Austrian Bundesliga teams will play teams lower down in the divisions. There's not many <laughs> interesting games, but this will be the, uh, the opening uh, round of the season. Ready to start the next season before we've even finished this one. Time for us to say goodbye for this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us as usual. We will be back. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, we'll have plenty to talk about in the next few weeks, I'm sure. We'll keep you up to date with the Mattersburg situation, with the promotion and the relegation situation, and with Lask as they presumably bow out of the Europa League as we bow out for this episode. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>